welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. We serve a good God. You know why? You know how I know that? Because our joy and our peace is getting into the presence of God and worshiping Him. His joy, His peace was getting upon that cross and shedding His blood. It was messing up His joy. It was messing up His peace, knowing that there were individuals and lost souls down here that needed help and healing and redemption and saving. That's his joy. That's his peace. And that while we were yet in darkness and we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing like you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus. This morning I showed up a few hours before our service. Chance was already here, so he helped me out, but... We prayed over all of these chairs, 80-something chairs, not necessarily for the chair, but for the person that would be sitting in that chair. And I know what you're thinking. Well, we don't have people filling up all of these chairs. We prayed about it. As we went to each one of these chairs, we prayed, God, heal this person, redeem this person, deliver their mind, help them save this person. And if there is nobody that sits in this chair, I prayed, God, send a hungry soul. Send somebody that's thirsty. Send somebody that's desperate. And Lord, when they get here, do the same thing. Help them, heal them, redeem them, deliver them, save them. And so my childlike faith this morning says that not only will there be great healing in this place and deliverance in our minds, but God is going to send some hungry people, some desperate, some thirsty people. I know it to be true that our church would be not just twice the size, but three times the size it is right now. And this is a challenge, but if we would reach out to some people we know that should be here, I'm not talking about bringing someone from another church. We're not trying to steal people from another church, but there's so many individuals I know that just don't go anywhere. They just don't. They should be. They know they should be. They've been to church plenty of times in their life. And I think it's the burden of God upon me and upon you that we reach out to them. And why don't we just get a little annoying annoy them. Hey, we're having church again. The doors are open again. We've been praying for healing. (laughs) It's for their good. (laughs) I don't care if this church is big or small, but there's a burden in me. There's a burden that weighs heavy, that it's not just the last days and, and, and God is coming soon, but these souls have got to be saved. These souls have got to be redeemed and, and delivered and set free. Hallelujah. 
I want to read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 3 through 5. And I was thinking earlier when I was announcing about the Super Bowl, I sure hope the commercials are okay. You never know. But you'll have to have great forgiveness on my behalf. And because uh, we'll see. We want it to be a friendly, good environment, church. Isaiah chapter 53, starting with verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. This morning I wanna speak on the subject closer to the cross. You may be seated. Closer to the cross. I felt that God told me, I say, I pray just as I talk. God, what should I preach about? Or show me some, show me what I should preach on this week. And I felt that he just told me to minister the cross. Go ahead and just preach on the cross again. And so I'm going to do my best this morning. It's my goal and burden to take us closer to the cross, to help us gain a closer view of just what happened at Calvary. It is easy to feel far removed from the cross because, well, it is one thing to have not been there. Of course, none of us was there, but it's another thing to not have been alive or have personally known any one individual who was alive within even close proximity to that event. And so it's easy to feel far removed from an event that happened thousands of years ago. That being said, the crucifixion of Jesus still remains at the heart of the Christian life. And although it may be easy to feel far removed from the event because of the many years and generations that have passed by, I, I want to help you today understand not just the ever-present power and wonder of the cross, but I want to help you understand today the continual existence of the cross. I want to take you closer to the cross. Now, before we go into it, I want to look at the book of Revelation, chapter 5. I want to read quickly this full chapter. It's just 14 verses. Revelation, chapter 5, and this is John is saying, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. 
And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Everyone say, stood a lamb. Stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and forty and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And beheld, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb which was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, honor, glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say, Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever." John saw the lamb which was slain for us. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels singing, Worthy is the Lamb which was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and blessing. I want you to picture this ever-present slain lamb. He sits in heaven or he stands in heaven today, right now, at this moment. The slain lamb is there. Picture the slain lamb in heaven. Because before I can speak about the cross, I want us to understand, church, that we are still living in the days of the slain lamb. And the lamb is Christ. The Bible says, describing Jesus, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Today, at this moment, right now, and forevermore, the slain lamb is standing at the throne. The slain lamb is as central and recognized in heaven today as ever before. All of heaven, church, again, we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels recognize what Jesus did at the cross as if it just happened today. And so though seemingly far removed from that event 2,000 years ago, we are still living in the days of the slain lamb. Let's keep that in mind now as I begin to take us closer to the cross. 
When I think of the cross, I, I think of Isaiah chapter 53 because of the wonderful description it gives us. He was despised and rejected. He was acquainted with grief. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and with his stripes we are healed. It describes the price that he paid for us. It describes the price that he willingly paid, what he endured, what he willingly went through. And I know, church, we've heard it so many times. We've heard the message of the cross. We talk about the cross. We sing about the cross. We teach the cross. It's why we're here today. It's why we have joy in our heart. It's why we have peace in our life. It's all because of the cross, because of what Jesus did at the cross. We know what he did at the cross. We've been told what he's done at the cross. In fact, generations and generations and generations have taught and sung about and preached the same message, Jesus at the cross. Jesus fully God, yet fully man, robing himself in flesh to become a son of man. Jesus would continually call himself in all of the gospels, the son of man. Meaning, yes, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior, I am the King of the world. It was Him, it was His Spirit at the very beginning, creating all things. But now He had become a Son of Man, or just mere human like you and me, dressed in earthly flesh, destined for one thing and one thing only. His mission was the cross, to save His creation from their sins to redeem the, his created people, to redeem their souls from eternal suffering. We know the story of the cross. We know what happened. But church, no matter how much we sing about it, and we sung about it this morning, and no matter how much we talk about it and, and preach about it and teach it, I don't want it to ever stop affecting me. I don't want it to ever stop moving me. I don't want it to ever stop doing something in here. I don't want it to ever stop convicting me what he did at the cross, what he did at Calvary, because really, it's not a thing of the past. It's not just another part of history, but it's on go. It's ever-present. It's current. The slain lamb and the redemptive power of the slain lamb lives now and forevermore. That's the wonder of the cross. It's the power of the cross that it does not grow old. It doesn't go out of style. It, it does not fade. It does not weaken. The blood does not have somehow dry up and lose its power. But the cross is working today just as good and just as powerful and just as well as it has ever worked. So let's take a few minutes and let's get a closer view of the cross. I often wonder what it had, would have been like to be there what would it have looked like? What would it have sounded like or felt like? I can only imagine what Mary, his mother, was thinking as she watched all of this that was happening. Won't he use his power to overcome them? Won't he perform a mighty miracle or a mighty act to show them that he really has the power of God? Won't he call down his army of angels to rescue him? 
Most of those who were crucified in those days, unlike most of those, Jesus didn't fight back. He made no resistance. And Mary watched as they stretched his hands upon, those, upon that cross. Church, it was those hands that had ever been reached out to bless the suffering, help the hurting. Those hands which had healed the broken and touched the sick. Those hands which had delivered those who were bound. Those hands which had picked up those who had fallen and given food and drink to those who were hungry. The hammer and the nails were brought, and as the spikes were driven through his tender flesh, his mother's heart must have sunk, and tears must have begun to fall down her face. Now his hands ever upon the cross. What were the disciples thinking? Surely their heart too was broken as they would watch this unfold. And yet Jesus would not murmur, Jesus would not complain. In fact, his mind was not on his suffering and his pain, but their suffering and their pain. Their suffering moved him so much, church, that on the cross as they're killing him and, and he's uh, in all this pain and suffering and the nails are being driven through his hands, this he cries out, Father, forgive them. Are you wondering this morning if God would forgive you? Would God really forgive me? Because the answer is yes. How do I know? Because you could take him to a cross and you could call him names and you could deny the faith and you could spit on him and you could mock him. This is Jesus we're talking about. You could drive nails in his hands. You could put a hole right in his side with a sword and pierce him. You could do him so wrong. You could turn your back on him every way possible. Yet his prayer for you, church, would still be, Father, forgive them. His burden would still be, I'll forgive them. Them. Here's a little blood for you. Here's some forgiveness for you. Here's some blood to wash away your sins. Because that's what he did, right? He didn't cry out complaints. He didn't curse them. He, he didn't kill them. He pleaded for their soul. But I don't know if he'll really forgive me of all of my trespasses and sins. Oh, please. You're not so different and you're not so unique that the blood can't cover you. There's many who have done what you've done. There's many who have said what you've said. There are many who have been where you've been. You're not any different. You're not any unique in that the blood doesn't work on you or that the blood doesn't have the power to wash your sins away. That's the enemy. That's the enemy trying to lie to you, a spirit of condemnation. And I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Say, devil, get thee behind me. Take your lies with you. I command you to leave. Leave my mind, the blood of Jesus is enough. The blood reaches every high mountain. The blood flows through every deep valley. There's none, there's nothing like the blood. And so it astonishes me that Jesus begins to intercede on the cross on behalf of his own enemies who put him there. It was right then that he was becoming their advocate. 
This is why it says in 1 John chapter 2, my little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. Yeah, it's God's will, church, that we wouldn't sin. It's God's will that we wouldn't fall short and miss the target. But if any man does sin, hear the verse. It's not God's will that we sin. We know that. But if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Romans 8 and 8 verse 34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. His intercession began at the cross 2,000 years ago. And still today, right now, at this moment, Christ is making intercession for you. He has become your great defender. And if or when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <laughs> Amen. Back to the cross. It must have been an ugly scene as they pierced his side and outflowed blood and water. And the lashes upon his back must have been terrible. According to Jewish law, flogging, consi flogging consisted of 40 lashes. However, Jesus received lashes from Roman soldiers who had no limitations. And so Jesus likely received the most severe form of lashing under Roman law, which meant multiple soldiers getting in line, flogging him with bone, rock, and glass fragments embedded into the whip until however long they wanted. Talk about a horrible scene. If you're wondering today, would God really save me? <laughs> would God really deliver me? Does God even care about me? I truly wish today I could take you up close and personal to the cross. I wish that you would be able to see with your own eyes the blood that dripped down his body and you would be able to see the agony upon his face and that you would understand that the thoughts that he was having at that moment towards those who were crucifying him he was not having thoughts of judgment. He was not having thoughts of wrath. His thoughts were merciful. His thoughts were redemptive. It was painful, yet he had no bitterness. It was tormenting, yet he did not complain. It was humiliating, yet he did not fight back. He knew that for them to truly receive their forgiveness, he would need to continue with the brutal cross. And so he did not resist. He did not complain. He allowed the piercings in his side for that was what was going to redeem you. He allowed the lashes upon his back for that was what was going to heal you. He allowed the cross to take his life for that was what 
was going to save you. You better believe today he loves you. You better not go home doubting this. You better not go home feeling condemned today. Hear me out here. Hear me out about the cross. He did it all for you. You better believe he loves you. You better believe he forgives you. To look upon the cross and to see the wounds upon his body. To see the pool of blood below and yet to ask, would he really heal me? Yes, he would. He would heal you. But I don't believe I need to try to persuade you or convince you of this this morning. I believe you just need a better view of the cross. I need to take you closer to the cross. The scripture says, for by his stripes, we are healed. Because on the backside of Jesus, if you're not just looking at the front, but you walk around and look at the backside of Jesus, you would see the stripes upon his back. And so if you're asking, does God really want to heal me? Or is it God's will that he heal me? The simplest and most biblical answer I can give you is just take a closer look at the cross. Take a closer look at the backside where the lashes and the stripes are upon his back. He did that for you. He did that for your body. He did that for your mind. He did that for your spirit. He did that for your healing. For by his stripes, church, we are healed. For by his stripes, we are healed. He didn't do that for no reason. He, he didn't do that so that we would always suffer in this temporary body. He didn't do all of that so that we would always be in pain. He didn't do all of that so that we would never have the victory. He did it so that we would have healing. And upon his head was a crown of thorns. Just give me a few more minutes. A crown of thorns signified something to do with our mind. One commentary says that the crown of thorns was representing a painful burden as of suffering, guilt, fear, anxiety. God knew that we would face battles in our mind. People are facing battles like never before up here. They're suffering in their mind. They have so much confusion, so much brain fog. People are fighting in their minds. It's everything for many people just to keep it together for every day. They're fighting in their mind. They're suffering in their mind. But Jesus wore this crown of thorns. Picture it. Crown of thorns. It encircled his mind and it became another stream of blood. Blood coming out of his side. Blood pouring down his back, blood dripping down his hands, and now blood streaming down his head. Surely the crown purchased our healing and our right in Christ Jesus for us to have a sound mind in 2023 and to experience real, genuine peace and joy up here, for by his wounds we are healed. He didn't wear that crown of thorns for no reason. He didn't suffer up here for no reason, church. He didn't endure pain around his head and mind for no reason. And so you ponder the question, does God really want to heal me? 
Does God want to heal my mind and set me free? Well, he wore a crown of thorns, didn't he? He already endured the pain, didn't he? A stream of blood ran down his head, didn't it? Oh, come on, church. Get a closer look at the cross. I know it was 2,000 years ago, but we're still living in the days of the slain lamb. Get a closer look at the cross. Picture the cross, for it forever stands. It forever lives. The slain lamb forever stands. The blood, the healing flow forever flows. So I see stripes upon his back. I see wounds in his side. I see nails in his hands. I see a crown of thorns upon his back, upon his head. He's lost all right. His body is unrecognizable. He had undergone the worst level of pain. Do you picture it? Do you see it this morning? Are you looking at it? Are you looking at the slain lamb, church? Because I see it. It's not just in my mind. It's not just in my imagination, but it's in heaven. Standing for eternity, never to go away, church, never to be forgotten, never to lose its power. The slain lamb stands in heaven. The slain lamb lives forevermore, never to lose its power, never to quit saving, never to quit reaching, never to quit healing, always on our side, interceding on our behalf, always for us with its blood covering us. Aren't you thankful today for the cross aren't you thankful for the slain lamb his healing power his redemptive power his delivering power and his saving power we're living we're still living in the days of the slain lamb thank you for joining us today be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends for more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.